everyone. And uh, once again, welcome from myself. My name's Reino. I'm the Reino that hasn't been spoken about in some of these conversations. Absolutely overwhelmed, absolutely fulfilled, absolutely at peace, absolutely bursting at the seams of joy, absolutely all of those things. I cannot believe that the day has arrived. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being part of our launch. Thank you for coming to check us out. I'm, uh, I am 100% overwhelmed at this stage. Also, thank you to everyone who made today, right? Thank you to our partners. You heard from our colleagues, Pierre Reinfeldt, you heard from Oney, you heard from the Family Church. Just a bit thank you to all of our ambassadors. This church is a phenomenal team of people who said, play me coach, put me on the field, I want to make a difference. We had chairs being wiped, we had mic stands being rolled out, we had people being welcomed with some serious tunes. We had Bucky Bell over here. We had um, people sending up coffee. We have a muffin man in the church that will uh, sort out our tweets for us later. These are so many people who signed up. Uh, it's really, really an awesome, awesome, awesome privilege to be part of the church. Uh, where everyone plays, and that is our dream. So thank you so much to everyone. Uh, thank you for being here, mate. Thank you for your kind words. Um, thank you for recalling August 2016. It's such an important date for us. In August 2016, my wife and I knew that we were going to plant a church that has something to do with culture. Ryan Peter, Peter said, speak to Anne. Thank you guys know how that conversation went. Uh, but then you also know how the story unfolded from that point onwards. Let me just single out one person today, and that is my good friend and mate and brother, Lissachol. Mate, you and I have been on honeymoon now for almost four years. The first message I received from anyone at the fellowship, apart from Oné and Jono, was from Lissachol. And it was a message that said, Hello, my name is Lissachol, I'm a city group leader, you guys have invited me to be in a city group, we'll see you on Friday. And mate, I know familial, even collegial, people say that there's a honeymoon phase, mate, you and I are going strong. <laughs> every mile, every minute, every meeting, every decision, mate, it has been such, such a privilege to do it with you. Lissachol and I are both fans of Chelsea Football Club, so if you're not, just bear with me for a second. Mate, you are like Michael Essien to Frank Lampard for me. You know what I mean? You are like, you, you are the Claude McAlady to my Joe Cole. You are the Didier Drogba to my Hernan Crespo. You are the Peter Cech to my Ricardo Carvalho. Like, serving with you is, it's such a privilege. I really love you, mate. I really do. And it's been so good to be in this with you. And thanks for just doing what you do and making so much of this happen. Lissachol is a teacher, he's a shepherd, he's a phenomenal leader, he's one of our elders. He's actually supposed to be up here, and you guys will see him on the 7th of November teaching. But for now, he was like, dude, I need to play where I am based, and that is in this whole production space. So thank you, thank you so much, mate. I really do appreciate that. Guys, we're in the book of Acts. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2. We've said before that Acts is the origin story of the church. If you want to know anything about Christianity, authentic Christianity, what it's supposed to be like, read the book of Acts. This is the fourth week that we are in chapter 2. Chapter 2 is dense. There's a lot of detail there. You have to study it slowly. You have to chow it bite by bite. You have to flavor it and savor it. And if you missed week 1 to 3 and you're only jumping into it now, it's all on YouTube. It's all on our podcast channels. Please go and check it out. The second did week 1, I did week 2, and last week we were in preached an absolute ripper of a sermon, okay? It's not a ripper, it's a ripper of a sermon. 
in which he explained the gospel so well by using the different stages of Jesus' life from birth all the way to his resurrection and his coming, well, his ascension and his return. And then he showed that the people in Acts 2 have a particular response to this message. Right? So Peter explained the gospel to the people. The people heard it. They were pierced to the heart. And then what did they do? They turned. They repented. They were headed that way, but now they're heading this way. They were baptized, right? They were marked as God's people, new identity given to them. And now the question is, what now? And that's the subject of our study today. Now, in our little uh, quad, or our you know, squares, triangles and squares, we had a four out of four in terms of diet and exercise, right? Being ways that we keep healthy. Let me show you some good food, just to stir up the old hunger for our treat that's waiting. Okay, do not look at it, analyze it and go, he's definitely anti-meat, I am not. Okay, I am not. But let's just take a look here. This is basic for anyone who wants to keep healthy, right? You have to put stuff into your body to have your body do what needs to be done. Exercise is the same. I gave you a little silhouette with no brand names, which you can imagine yourself into that picture. Exercise is also a way that we keep healthy, right? We devote ourselves to the same movement again and again and again for the purposes of getting healthy. Let me show you a picture of myself doing some exercise. This was me on the Transbomyans mountain bike race, 28th of August. This was shortly after 6.30 in the morning. Cyclist in the background is my dad. We did this together as a team. It was about one or two degrees at that point. We started in minus four. So I took part in a mountain bike race this year, which was called the Trans Bagnans. And I had to do two things to make it work. Diet and exercise, right? Those were the common denominators of me being able to do that. I lost nine kgs and I did five and a half thousand kilometers on a bicycle to be able to do that race with my dad, which was really, really awesome. Now the reason why I'm showing you this is it's a good illustration for what happened to the people in Vegas. Because here's what happened. I'm a runner, right? I did comrades, seven consecutive, and God willing want to do one again next year. So that is who I am, that's my identity, and that's what I do for exercise. I had to turn from running and I had to point myself to cycling. And then I did start doing it, right? Got the kit, got the bicycle, learned a new way of speaking, met a new community, had to go to new routes, had to change around my week program, had to change around my diet, and even to change around our budget for in case I had mechanical breakdowns. I had to get more and more kit as winter rolled along, and I needed to keep warm. Like everything changed for me. So I turned from it, became this new identity, got all the kit. And then I had to devote myself. I actually had to start doing it over and over and over again for five and a half thousand kilometers until I was fit enough to actually go and do this race. It's exactly what happened to the Christians next to Really? Getting the new kit and then starting to exercise. Taking on a new diet, learning new exercises, devoting themselves to it, and doing it again and again and again. And again, let me show you the text again that's lovely. In red, it's like a summary of the diet and exercise. Do you want to know how the early church kept healthy? That's how they did it. And then all the green is elaborations or explanations of all the red. So how does the church keep healthy? Diet and exercise. How will we as a church keep healthy? Diet and exercise. Question, what is our diet and what are our exercises? 
And that's what we're going to spend some time on today. Now the text says they devoted themselves to this. Now the word devote, devotion or devoted, it's kind of a Christian subculture word, right? It gets used so much in the wrong context, you kind of lost the meaning. Have you ever had this question in your little discipleship group? Have you been doing your devotions recently? Hey? Or how is your devotions going? So we've limited the word devotion to the act of doing something repetitively like Bible reading and prayer. But it's actually way more than that. Devotion means being committed to doing the same thing over and over because you actually think that it is important. Did anyone this morning, please do not raise your hand, did not brush your teeth before you came? I know that's the privilege of wearing the old mask, right? I can get away with some bad breath. But we brush our teeth every single day, hopefully twice, with a pea sized amount of toothpaste, at least 60 seconds, both up and down, right? Why? Because we believe that it's good for us. We believe that that repetition to which we commit ourselves will eventually yield some sort of result or fruit. I just used the bicycle metaphor. I had to get on a bicycle almost daily, at least five times a week, and do exactly the same thing that I did yesterday because it was going to be important to me. It was going to be good to me later. So that's what this text says. It says they devoted themselves. Okay, so what did they devote themselves to? Four things. I'm going to say something about those four things, and we'll be out of here, and we'll enjoy our treat. The one thing. The first thing. A healthy body of Christ has biblical nourishment. That's what they devoted themselves to. Good diet. Loving fellowship. Core exercise of the church. Vibrant worship. And word and deed outreach. Has anyone ever been to the doctor? And then you report of whatever it is, ailment you're feeling or whatever your condition or your symptoms are. And then the doctor starts with the same regime as they always do since you were a child. They check your vitals first. It doesn't matter what's wrong with you or what sickness you're experiencing. Let's just make sure that the most important vital organs in your body is working well. Because if you don't have this, then the rest won't follow. And that's exactly what this is, guys. Acts 2 gives us the vitals. And the only thing that I want to do this morning is I want to explain what these vitals look like. And the fellowship city, from now until Jesus comes back, this will be our vital signs of a healthy church. So we want to be in a healthy church, which means we should have these four things. Now, if you're a believer and you've read this text before, I really pray that you will be able to look at it in a fresh way. Right? And not just check out because you've heard sermons on this text so many times. If you're not a believer, just peeping into the faith and trying to figure out what is real Christianity, my prayer for you this morning is that you will see and you will understand that a life of faith, the life we speak about, a disciple of Jesus, is a huge adventure. And it's so exciting and it's so enjoyable. And it's so fun to be formed by the Spirit. It is indeed experiencing life in its fullness. No matter, only abundance. That's what the gospel promises. And if you're not a believer, what I want to put to you is, if you do decide to reject Christianity, please reject this. Please reject the real thing. <laughs> please reject Christianity in its biblical sense and the way that it's meant to be. Because often our experience of churches is lacking. Now there is grace for that, and I know none of us is perfect, but this is the picture of what the church is supposed to be. 
Let's look at biblical nourishment. Let's start there. I think I've got a yes, I've got an image for everyone. I do realize now that the autumn leaves are my little bit is maybe a little bit turned deaf because it's spring. I took this picture from our website because I think our website's cool and I like the picture and I like the color. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They gathered. They gathered in the temple because there were big groups. They gathered in homes because there were small groups. This is a learning community. It is a community that wanted to absorb and hear and learn teaching. If you want to know if your vitals are healthy as a church, are we teachable people? Are we eager to learn? Do we hunger for the word? Or do we pretend as if we know everything? It's a distinctive mark of the church. We never know everything. We can always learn. That's what's the joy about the Bible, right? I've been following Jesus now, committed for 17 years. I still learn stuff. Recently, I was like, I'm going to go back to Genesis. There's a whole vibe there with Jacob and his sons and Joseph. I think I'm missing out. And as I'm reading Genesis now, I go, oh, Genesis, this is absolutely phenomenal and actually quite depressing. So I want to fast forward to the Gospels, but then I have to go back and read the story again because we can always learn. Why is this first? Why does uh, uh, Luke write to us that they devoted themselves to the teaching first? Listen to this, it's important. Because what they were learning is about who they are worshipping. Right? So we want to worship God. Well, who is He? That's what we're learning in the Bible. That's what our biblical notion is all about. That's what we chow is about. Is that helps us to understand who we are worshipping. Now, the Apostles' teaching, written of here in Acts, is different than the announcement of the Gospel, right? The announcement of the Gospel is saying, God loves you, God made a way for you to be in relationship with Him, He became a human being, He died on the cross, He was resurrected from the dead, He poured out His Spirit, and He ascended, and He'll come back one day. That's the Gospel story. The Apostles' teaching is something different. That is how the Apostles helped those people to explore the manifold implications of this announcement, right? We heard it, we turned, we got marked, we got the kit. What now? That's the apostles' teaching. Is how do we flesh this out? How does this manifest in our lives? I mean, I can imagine the apostles, they were actually still alive at that point, sitting, saying to people, this is what he said. This is what he did. This is what he commanded us to do. So, therefore, let us now. Right? The apostles' teaching come to us in the form of the New Testament. If we read the New Testament, we see what it means to live lives as followers of Jesus. And it's going to take us a lifetime to do it, which is great, right? Script stays exactly the same. We'll just grow in our maturity and in depth of it. Now that requires daily devotion to this, right? We cannot eat every seventh day, guys. You'll die. If you eat early every seventh day, and if you only eat like a starter, like man in the sun, we have to work this diet daily. A couple of questions that I want to ask you is, do you understand the gospel? Are you able to proclaim it? Do we as a church understand the gospel, hold to it and proclaim it weekly? Let me ask you a more personal question. What are you consuming? What are you trying, guys? What are you reading? Choice said, in her vulnerability, I ate everything and anything. If we eat that as Christians, we will be unhealthy. So what are you reading? What does your commute look like? What do you fill your mind and your heart with? What kind of media do you engage with? It's very important for us as Christians, not being old school, just being biblical. Let's look at the second one, loving fellowship. Now, the Greek word for this is koinonia, and it's about sharing more than we think as individual Western people. It is a commitment to sharing everything we have and everything we 
or with other people. It's about being willing, listen, to be known. It's about entering into relationship, and it's about being willing to share of yourself, and as you share of yourself, to look the other person in the eye and receive what they are sharing of themselves. It's the change from proximity, being close to one another, to compassion, really feeling one another, and growing in deep affections for one another. Often in a church, we sit next to each other in close proximity, but we don't care for one another because we never turn to one another. We don't look each other in the eye. We don't see one another and experience compassion for one another. That's why the world is divided into us and them. What if in the church, us and them just becomes us? What if in the church, we have the ability to cross those boundaries, to let those walls come down? This is the best place to do it. Like if you ever want to be known, be known in the church context where there's love and grace and understanding and compassion and equality, equal value for everyone. Right? The greatest lever in the, lever in the world is the cross. No one more important than anyone else. That's why we dream of being a transcultural church, guys. We don't dream of having a Sunday service where we have multiple languages and ethnicities present. That's way too small of a dream for us. We dream of being a church where we can cross these boundaries because of the gospel. Not because we're cool, not because we play great music, not because we have representation in language and culture, but because we believe that Jesus loves all of us equally and He made us a family. He was the one who broke down the walls. He's the one that says, Reino, you and Lesejo can be brothers. You are brothers. Both of you carry the same kit. Both of you carry the same baptism. And you were bound together by my love and my blood. No political manifesto, no charter of human rights, no constitution. My blood brought you together. That's the church, guys. Loving fellowship, authentic real relationship with one another, can you imagine the impact that this church will have in this area if that is our testament? If people peep in, they look at us, they listen to us, and they see us, and in that they see something that they've never seen, that they've never dreamed of. They see this supernatural work of Jesus. What is the hope for our country? The gospel. What is the hope for the world, the church? Jesus Christ, the Savior. Not saying the government is an illegitimate institution. God instituted it. But we can't put our hope in that to save us from everything. It can only be the gospel. This takes time, guys. It takes intentionality. It takes effort from us. It's difficult. And especially in pandemic times, we've been so overloaded with information. And we've been so starved of relationship in isolation. Right. To any of you this morning walk up to someone and go, Hey! We don't even know how to touch each other's blood anymore. Touch it, click it, boom! Slap the shoulder, get a little hug in there, smell the product on the neck. That's where we used to be. We don't even know how to do it anymore. We get tired. Many of you already flipped out on your phones. Jeez, how long is this guy going to be? Because I'm going to pause him. I'm going to forward. I'm going to watch something else now. We're distracted. We don't even know how to do a relationship anymore, guys. So where do we start? Let's start there. I do believe in the gospel of coffee as well. <laughs> but let's start there. Let's start here. Let's start here. It's 
So make some eye contact. Let's get back into the relationship. It's going to ask work and effort of you. In South Africa, we've got something called a ninja Christian. Floating here, 20 minutes after the service started, floats out of here 10 minutes before service ends. Oh, that guy's quick. He's so silent. He comes in and none of us know of him or her. And then we hear, no one reached out to me. Now I understand if the church dropped you and didn't reach out to you, I do apologize. But did you, did you reach out to someone? Just ask me. Because it takes effort to get into community, guys. It's two ways. The breaking of bread is mentioned in this, uh, in this portion of scripture. They ate together. Who of you sits at a dinner table with a team's meeting on screen? Numbers. There's no agenda. There's no walls or palisades. It's just you. Scoffing on some good food. Looking somewhere else in the eye. That's why they did it. And there was humans there to eat, let's be honest. But that's why they did it. They got together around dinner tables. That is where we cross these boundaries. Right? It's easy for me to do the elbow click with my colleague at work that's different than I am. Let that colleague come and open up your fridge. Yeah. Know what I mean? Let that colleague come in and check out your kid's bedroom. Let that colleague come in and borrow your car with you and get some ice in the engine. That's where it gets real. And that's where we cross these boundaries. Eat good food together. And it was in that city that they broke bread. Did you guys see it? So in all of this other presentations and conversations and getting to know one another, there was a moment that they said, let's break this bread and remember that Jesus' body was broken for us. Let's pour this wine and remember that His blood was shed for us. Why on earth would there be any hostility between us and you? Great are you, Lord. Worship and thankfulness from the table. That is what we should do. And it's as easy as getting out your phone, fingerprint recognition, unlock this bad boy, and invite someone for dinner. You can even put an asterisk to say, all COVID protocols will be observed. <laughs> if you want to. That's what you want to do, then do it. But let's do it as a church. Okay, thirdly, vibrant worship. You'll see that they devoted themselves to what? The prayers. Now at this point, this group of people in the book of Acts uh, is almost entirely a Jewish community. Which means they have a rich tradition of prayer. Right? Almost a 2,000 year old tradition of praying together, specific times, specific prayers, cycling through the Psalms, cycling through the prayers of Jesus, and they gathered cons constantly and consistently to do this. And they enjoyed it. It was vibrant. When they did it, people looked at it and went, there's a vibe going on there. I am going to take a peek. Let me see. If anyone peeked in there this morning while you guys were leading worship, that is what they would have seen. I was struck down by the grace of God this morning during worship. It was unbelievable. Let me get all emotional again. Now, when we sang, you are light, you are hope, um, uh, the verses of, of great on your Lord, I just, I just felt God saying, that's my wish for centurion. Because there's people in darkness, there's people without hope, there's people that is broken. And I will fix. Bring them to me and call them to me. Guys, it's as easy as enjoying what we are doing here. Being vibrant in worship. One of my accountability questions with my discipleship group, listen to this one, Sarah, am I enjoying prayer? Am I enjoying praying? If you only pray at the table, 
And it doesn't sound like you're enjoying that. I cannot imagine you enjoying the vibrant prayer life of God. And if you're a Christian, you should. Why? Not because they should do it, but because they get to do it. Let me use my wife as an example. I look at her in the morning and go, well, I have to kiss you. Because that is what is expected of me. I love you. How do you think our marriage will be? No! I look at her and I go, I actually say these words, don't quote me, holy mackerel, lovey. I get to do this. It's a privilege to kiss her and to hug her and to tell her I love her. And it's a privilege to hear that back every day, multiple times. It doesn't get old. I enjoy it when I do it. And I'm filled with awe and filled with joy. When we talk to our dad, that should be our experience. Because he's our dad, and we are his kids, and he loves us, and he has everything in his hands, and we have this freedom to just be with him and abide with him. We have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and they climb on us still, even though Ava has now reached 20 kgs. Well, it's quite heavy. She climbs with me on the couch, and then there's no reason for it. It's just like, I, I want to I be, like, being next to you just isn't enough. I want to be on top of you. And then Katie stands on my lap and then she stands at her back and that's my nose and she wiggles. Because now really with my dad and I go, blom, 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 just hang on a second here. It's enjoyment. When you look at it, you are convinced that there's something there. And that's part of our testimony. If you see me interacting with my wife in the way I just explained, you know there's something there that has validity and legitimacy. It's not fairy tale or story. It's not a 10-point proposition on why Reino loves me. It's this beautiful picture of something happening. And I long for that. And that is what I want. That's part of our testimony. That's part of our shared good news. If you're a growing Christian and you haven't actually felt this many times, just keep going. Repeat these habits. Right? Devote yourselves to them. You'll understand that they will grow. You'll be remade in your mind. Your life will be remade. You'll learn how to respond to Jesus. In worship and in Last point. Word and deed outreach. Spirit of God witness, that's the story of Acts 2, happens through words and deeds. Do you remember my first sermon in Acts? I showed that what was proclaimed was the words of Jesus and the deeds of Jesus. And then I said, as we go through the book of Acts, what you see is words and deeds. Not either or, it's both and our word ministry creates and brings into being this new church. Saying to someone, you are now a child of God. You have a new identity. You should now join us. Is the same way that someone said to me, I'm so glad to hear that you're a cyclist. Are we meeting at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning to go and cycle? Because that's what you should do now. And I'm inviting you into it. Right? So through words we create reality. We create this new community. And through deeds, we reinforce this word because it in itself becomes an effective witness. Check this. You are all God's children. And then we go and have a treat. And then we see through our deeds and our compassion and our care that what we see in here is through our faith. And that's how it works. Word and deed. Jesus loves you. You say it. And Jesus loves you. You show it. Both word and deed. That means that in Acts chapter 2 and in Fellowship City today, it is 100% legitimate. 
things to say to someone, come and see. Right? Invite someone into it. That's what happened in Acts. That's what happened in the early church. Come and see. And I do want to ask you, please do it. Okay? Keep on inviting people with a friendly and a loving posture. Say to them, there's a place that I would like you to come to. If that's your vibe, and that's the way you want to do evangelism, then do it. That's why this launch is called the public launch, because it's open to anyone from this point onwards. But not only is it come and see, it's also go and tell. You guys see? And go and tell sometimes asks for go and show. (laughs) So the way that you show compassion to people inside and outside the church is word and deed outreach. We'll see through the book of Acts that they care deeply for people inside the church and they care deeply for people outside the church, both at the same time. That's what fellowship study is here for. Let's figure out how God wants to do it. Let me land here. I am on 28 minutes. It is unbelievable by God's grace. Yeah, I wanted to land just below 30 minutes. God is being faithful this morning. Okay. Everything I said to you now is basics. Absolute basics and you know it. You've heard it a gazillion times if you grew up in church. And if you've heard it for the first time now, you'll go, yeah, that's achievable. It's been the basics. It'll always be the basics. You know what a healthy church does? A healthy church does these well. The basics. Study any business literature. And what they'll tell you often, strategies and processes and all of those things, they'll say the companies that flourish are the companies that do the basics well. If we read the Bible, we see that the churches that does the basics well are the churches that flourish. The moment we step away from this, we get the reasons of the whole New Testament. Churches started straying from these basics. They started, they, they stopped doing it. And then Paul had to write the letters, correct them, help them back. Right? The Apostle Peter had to do that as well. Let's do this well. And let's pray that God would do it in a more significant way than he has up until this point in this area. That's revival. Revival is not God doing something extraordinary. Revival is God doing what he has always done, but in an extraordinary way. You guys see? (laughs) God has always called people to him. He's always restored people. He's always saved people. He's always healed people. He's always reconciled people. He's always given in abundance. But in a revival, he does that in a significant, tangible, visible way. Let's trust that if we are a healthy church and we do these things, then God will do this through us. That he will say, I'm going to use this church and I'm going to do these basics through this church in a more significant way than before. And through that, he'll do what he does. And that is call people to himself, to himself, save them and restore them. That's my prayer for our church. As one of the oaks that are supposed to teach here and that are supposed to teach That's my prayer for this church. Is that we will be a healthy body of Christ. I'm going to do a prayer for us. The worship team will be up. We'll have a time of response and worship. Emil, one of the pastors of Dorengroof, will see a benediction of us, and we'll be out, and we'll have three kids praying. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, now as a church, on this beautiful day, with all these awesome things to celebrate and be thankful for, we, we prostrate ourselves before you, we humble ourselves before you, we declare that we are available for you to do this great work through us, we confess that we are convicted by your word and that we heard the basics of the gospel preached to us once again today. 
We know that you called us. We know that you sent us. We know that bringing all of these people together is all your work, Lord Jesus. Now have your way in us. Help us to do these things in a deep and significant way. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would thirst for your word, that we would eat your word, that we would be well nourished, that we would have a solid, solid, solid diet of good news and grace and gospel. I pray that we would be a church with loving worship. Please work in our hearts. Please make our heads cold and our hearts warm. Please help us to move across and over all of our man-made boundaries that is just a product of a sinful world so that we can really, really experience deep communion with other image bearers uh, that you have also created. Help us, Lord Jesus, to enjoy you, to enjoy worship and to enjoy prayer. And help us to put word and deed together as we reach lost and broken people in this community. Have your way, ask for Jesus. Amen. Amen.